0: Welcome to the Every Thought Matters Podcast. My name is Kelly Raymer, and I am the producer and host of this podcast. I'm also a mindset coach, a Kaushik tarot reader, co-creator of the Every Thought Matters Collective that is coming soon, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Search Every Thought Matters with your favorite browser, and you'll find my site, information, and how to reach me. Add for the podcast, each episode is a conversation exploring origin stories, life, the universe, and various other topics. Enjoy this episode and remember, Every Thought Matters. Today's episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Eddie Billamoria author of Unfolding Consciousness, Exploring the Living Universe and Intelligent Powers in Nature and Humans. This was a powerful and wonderful episode with Eddie. He was a great guest that comes across the pond, my second guest from the UK, and this was just a wonderful episode. We talked about everything from his piano recitals to The tunnel between France and England, to the cosmos, to the planets, to our chakras, and spirituality, and we even talk about his book. So, give it a listen. I trust me, you will learn something new in this episode. I swear you will. Thank you for listening to the Every Thought Matters podcast, and remember, I love you and every thought matters. The recording is started here. Eddie, wonderful to meet you from all across the pond. How's (laughs) your day going today?
1: My day went very well today. I always like to start the day, Kelly, with about two hours of piano practice. Uh, You can see this beautiful instrument behind me. And um, I was playing. uh, I always like to warm up, of course. Yes, Uh, I was playing quite a lot of uh, Chopin and Schubert today, and I'm preparing for a little recital I'm giving next week for the very nice jubilee of the scientific and medical network.
0: Well, wonderful. You're giving a recital. And yeah. You know, I'm so blessed because your publicist reached out to me. She follows me on TikTok and she's like, yeah, let's get Eddie on your podcast." (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like I'm telling you, Eddie, I was as nervous As I've ever been for a podcast This is my 40th episode But then once you know we got on and we Did an mm-hmm. audio and mic check, I'm like Why were you even nervous? This dude is just amazing He's so kind and caring Yet you've got a little thing called a PhD Behind your name So I'm like, I was, wow And you've got books upon books And I don't do a lot of homework, do a lot of research on my guests. I just like to see how it unfolds. And literally, that's, very that's much, fun Kelly. for me.
1: And let me just quickly tell you two things. Good. If one, is nervous for an occasion, one shouldn't be doing it. There is nerves and nerves. Look, I've been playing the piano all my life. Okay. No, whenever I'm in front of an audience, I'm nervous, not... Well, only because it's that adrenaline rush and you want to give your best. And, you know, that's what the nerves is about. If you're not prepared, that's another case, of course. But if you're prepared to play the piano or sing or whatever, you must be nervous to a certain extent to have that energy. And the other thing, look, about a PhD... I've known enough academics in my life. Some of them are about as empty headed despite (laughs) all the millions of titles. And some of them are humble and understand that you can be intelligent without necessarily being an academic. And there's a big difference.
0: What a perfect. Yeah, that's a great response. And I agree with you 110%. But right now I'm not nervous because you just. (laughs) <laughs> You're very easy to talk to, and I just, like, this guy is amazing to me, and so you were an engineer for the longest time. Why engineering? Why did you start out as an engineer? What thrilled you about well, that?
1: Because I like to find out how things work.
0: Oh, and, man.
1: And engineering is the perfect coming together of the theoretical and the practical. A lot of um, um, people in academia and and in the pure sciences, let's say, um, they can be really up in their heads. And if the research grant lasts forever, they'll be doing the same thing. But an engineer has to deliver on results. So you have to, Stick to a budget, you have to produce something practical. So, um, the practicality of engineering is what appealed to me. But on another level, it was an inner realization that the laws of science expressed through technology and engineering, the laws of science on the physical level, are really a projection of laws. On a higher level whoa there is no absolutely no conflict in my mind between uh physical science engineering and um consciousness studies and music because all of them are manifestations of laws on different levels of being
0: I totally, that, I had, I just had to write that down because that was so brilliant because I, I have a computer science degree and Mm -hmm. I was a programmer for 25 years and that's what fascinated me was how things work too. I've been, my favorite story about me as a child was the old transistor radios Mm -hmm. and where they had the little uh, five millimeter earphone jack and you just put a little thing in your ear. It's like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I opened that little thing up and it was baby red, opened up because I just wanted to see how it worked. And I've always been fascinated how things work. And like you, I look. I'd started at the physical level and now I'm looking at it at a, I guess, if the right term is metaphys- metaphysical world. Is it,
1: yeah, yeah, that's fair enough, Kelly. Yeah.
0: And I love that. And I, that's why I just, I love having guests on that fascinate me because you have explored the metaphysical world in terms of Mm -hmm. from the engineering world. Like there was a Nobel peace prize winner that basically surmised that your thoughts can reach the end of the universe and back. Like Mm. just, you can send in your thought to the edge of the universe and back. And I can't remember what theory that was, but they won a Nobel peace prize for that. And I thought, wow, that's the stuff I like to explore. Mm. And you've got four volumes of exploration of that Mm. and which...
1: And indeed, My... your, your site is "Every Thought Matters," right? Which is uh, highly appropriate. Right. And the central point there is everything starts with thought. Right. So um, whether you're designing the Channel Tunnel, which I was heavily involved with a long time ago, oh, the yeah. Channel Tunnel didn't make itself; it started off as a thought, and mm. then thought concretizes so to speak so speaking metaphysically you have just thought then you got to plan the thought you got to organize it and then you got to have working tools and materials to put that thought into flesh or concrete in this case so in an organization you have the vision the chief executive if you like you have middle management project management and you have right. the workers now middle management project management they have to interface at the higher level with the chief executive and at the lower level with the workers high or low i don't mean that in a pejorative way no fashion. i know what you
0: mean yeah
1: yeah so the the middle management are the interface the the, the lens through which the vision the thought of the chief executive manifests at the concrete level similarly in the human body the human being we have the principle of the soul the soul is the interface that touches at the highest level spirit and at the lowest body highest and lowest i again emphasize entirely relative so the Without the soul principle, you can have the most wonderful spirit, but your body isn't informed. Yes. So this is how I see engineering and esoteric science all part of one universal wisdom. You see the same principle at work.
0: Like? You see I, the I, same
1: I, universal principles. Sorry,
0: you're gone. No, it's okay, dude. Um, I love it because you started off with the fact that you actually worked on the tunnel on the English channel. And for my American listeners, there was a tunnel between the UK (laughs) and France, correct? Yes. They probably didn't know that. When you said the channel, I knew what you were talking about, but, but
1: but but the French would say, the French would say between France and UK.
0: (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. But (laughs) Um, going back to uh, that, and that's kind of funny because that's really, that's a really expansion of what you just said, because Mm -hmm. The French may have thought that it was their original thought and the UK may have thought it was their original thought. How does that work between those two? Like my original thought is I personally, I believe that I manifested you into my life because it was a thought Mm. and that thought became concrete. And I'm sitting and looking at another human Mm. and but France had that version and UK had that version. From a Uh, physical, uh, physics perspective, how does that work from thought and energy and vibrational reality between two beings?
1: Well, from a physics perspective, one can think of Rupert Cheldrake's wonderful um, theory of the morphogenetic field, that when something manifests into the world mind, then those people who are tuned into that stream will pick up the the relevant aspects of that thought one sees uh, throughout science periods when uh, the same thought almost simultaneously manifests in prepared minds the, the most obvious example is newton and leibniz and even though they so unfortunately squabbled over it they both independently invented the calculus and that, that's just one example in music uh, you have the um, genre of the nocturne which Chopin and uh, john field almost independently brought down let's say so when something is due to manifest on this earthly plane It's like um, a cloud that drops its water droplets on people whose minds are tuned in that direction. Well, the Channel Tunnel was uh, being talked about for a long time. It was an idea, I think, in the 18th century, and that thought gets trickled down into various minds. there's then... It's very meaningless to say my thought, your thought. It is our thought.
0: Ooh. Wow, you are so amazing. I, I love that because I'm I'm at a point right now, like I'm exploring the metaphysical world and exploring consciousness. And part of me believes that I'm the I'm a soul living in a human, which I do believe that. But mm. if it's our thought, so it's our thoughts that we rec- do. Okay, so let's ask this. I'm going to. Sh- what do you believe? Because everybody's different. Because mm-hmm. one thing I read, I'm re- rereading this really great book called Illusions. Uh, uh, the Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. And mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite books. I've read it five times. And he talks about that there are 7 billion different versions of the universe right now. Your version of what's out there is different than my version. But those droplets come and they become our thoughts. I'm trying to connect those two. And as somebody who has, and I got to read the caption on your photo, which I love, because I'm going to read that really fast. Unfolding consciousness, exploring the living universe and intelligent powers in nature and humans. And that, so how does that, Become our thought, it, where I don't have possession of it. It it the thought that I have say to create the Golden Gate Bridge was not just one person. It was it was a thought that was given to many, and one person acted on it. Is that how you're thinking?
1: Yes. Given to one and many, and um, well, it's the huh. same with music. Uh, most certainly, uh, the great works of Mozart, Beethoven, Chopin, and, and the right, artists. right, right. Most certainly, you can't say it, it's it's our thought. But uh, they would not claim, I think, in the heart of hearts that they invented the music. I I think they would say that by virtue of their sensitivity, they were able to raise an antenna to the field of universal mind and Hmm. pull down that which resonated with their own unique nature. So to the extent that I am meditating on great poetry, say, as, as an example, then the poetry that I write is, so to speak, my poetry, but it's only my, in inverted commas, because I have raised my consciousness to a level where I'm in tune, in resonance, with the great poetry and literature of the world so one level informs another level so it's only mine in the sense that i have given it flesh i've enfleshed it so to speak i've materialized it
0: this is why i like you this i'm like that's why i'm so blessed to be here with you because you're very well read very well spoken and you've done a lot of academia work but yet you're explaining something to me in very real terms which i love i love the fact that i'm and that's this is a brand new literally brand new thought for me to think that what i want to manifest is our thoughts and it's just me raising my antenna to the right vibration even though that same antenna has been raised to a you know maybe a hundred thousand other people i'm the one receiving it but Mm -hmm. and i like it because it You know, in inverted quotes, it's mine, but it really isn't mine. That's a really wonderful way to look at it, because that helps me understand my view of humanity, but also my view of consciousness, because I'll throw this at you. I believe that we have neurons that fire in our heart, right? There's the same kind of neurons that fire in your brain. There's Like our heart is 25% neurons or something to that effect i can't remember where it's at so nobody quote me on that please thank you um but it, there's neurons in our heart which is where love comes from but we're all collectively connected in that energy that fires which to me is divine energy so that does kind of connect with the fact that we are all collective consciousness to me Is that kind of how you explain this unconsciousness piece, where it's not my thought, it's our thought?
1: Well, you're really, uh, Kelly, raising the issue of um, infinite diversity in unity and how unity expresses through infinite diversity. So the many are aspects of the one, the one that expresses through the many. But you touched on a vital point really vital when you mention the heart. Um, The Heart Math Institute is a wonderful one in in the US. Uh, Roland McCrattie, I think, is the director. And they have done clinical studies showing that the and I've uh, mentioned the figures in um, Volume 2, of Unfolding Consciousness, that Mm -hmm. the electrical field, the magnetic field, and the electromagnetic field of the heart is several orders of magnitude greater than that in the brain. So the heart is a sadly neglected organ, spiritual organ of our general public collective consciousness. The whole of science is neurotically obsessed with the brain. You know, as though we're just brains walking on legs and nothing else in between. Forget the heart. The heart is, to use, uh, um, one has to use analogies, Um, the, the heart is like the invisible signals from the radio station which the brain makes manifest. So looking at me on the screen now, you're not in my screen, but the invisible signals via my Wi-Fi and all of that have been made manifest, have been given visibility through the electronics in the computer. So the brain is the door that points to the external world. It's the, it provides the objective space-time experience. But in that mansion, that beautiful mansion that we call the human body, there are internal doors, there are internal passageways through which there are wonderful subjective currents and influences, and the heart plays a role in that to a great extent. And um, it is my persuasion That a lot of heart problems, of course, many of them are caused by physical factors, of course, but the misuse of the heart can also cause serious heart problems on the physical heart. For example, misuse of the heart, unrequited love, or any other uh, uh, loneliness or unfulfilled um, aspirations, all of that can repercuss on the physical organ. So the heart is indeed the center of consciousness. The brain is the center of intellectual consciousness. And let's not forget the generative system is the center of reproductive or physical consciousness. And all three have to work together together. But one sees in the typical intellectual, one center dominates. In the typical, well, you know, the more physical types, the lower center dominates, fair enough. And in the more compassionate types, the heart dominates. But but in the really evolved person, all three work as one. Wow. But the heart is so important and its role needs to be emphasized there have been uh, some clinical studies showing heart transplants where the patient, uh, the recipient, has taken on the qualities of the donor heart. But science is obsessed with the brain. Yes. To its detriment.
0: Well, I, uh, the last word, you know, I don't think that it's detrimental, but. Uh, because I mean, sorry, I,
1: detriment only in the sense that, that when you the heart's being extremes, you neglect right. the most important. Sure. You know, only yeah, in that absolutely. Scene. Sorry, I'm interrupting. I, sorry,
0: it's all right, Eddie. This is this is not an interview. I love conversation. I love listening to you. You're so, I don't. Know, you're brilliant, but yet you explain it to ways that I, you know, can understand. And I love that. And I love that for my audience as well. And I love the fact that you talked about those three places which was the heart your reproductive systems and what was the other one
1: the the brain center the, the brain
0: so all three have to work together for yeah does that coincide with like are you know the seven chakras
1: no i wouldn't say coincide but they're definitely related
0: they're I related mean, okay so most certainly, about
1: that. i mean you can say that the generative uh, the um in muladhara the, mm-hmm. the heart, the anahat, and the uh, and the and the um, the crown Brain. chakra are the three yeah. main ones, and the right. others are, are like you looking at my piano, like overtones of the mm. three principles. So all the others are the the overtones of the three main. So in that sense, it does relate to the chakras, yes.
0: Wonderful.
1: And when the lower chakra is active we procreate children of the flesh sure when the higher chakra is active we not procreate we create children of the mind great books literature music i never thought of it that way so you can see that polarity between the upper pole and the lower pole I children agree. of the mind children of the flesh wow both are important
0: <laughs> yeah but i think what connects them the both of them is the heart right it has to be wow the that's amazing well. mm. i my mind is just swimming with thoughts and which is wonderful so i'm going to ask you this really beautiful question which is something i've been pondering i don't think there's an answer to it but do we receive thoughts or do we think thoughts
1: We call them into being.
0: Oh, come on! You gotta give me some more than that. I'd expand on that, because right. that's yeah. be- beautiful, right. Eddie. I love that. Yeah.
1: We don't generate thoughts. Now, this is the huge debate in science: does the brain generate thought? And oh gosh, uh, very briefly, um, you know the Templeton Foundation. They've just awarded a 25 million, 25 million prize at the last um, conference in Illinois, Chicago, on uh, two clever experiments to show how the brain generates consciousness. And that subject has not been resolved at all because it's asking the wrong question to say, how does the brain generate consciousness assumes that it does in the first place? (laughs) The brain does not generate consciousness. The brain uses and works, sorry, consciousness uses and works through the brain. Now, I can do no better than um, remind readers of that great American, William James, the father of psychology, in his lectures on human immortality, when William James pointed out that. Even in his time, it was a common error of psychology to say that the brain generates consciousness. Now, what what do we mean by productive function? He says there are three kinds of productive function. There's the direct productive function. Steam is generated by a kettle. You know, you turn the heat on, the steam is generated by a kettle. But there is another function which is not productive. It's permissive. He says, William James, the crossbow doesn't produce the arrow. It releases the arrow. And then the most important is transmissive. Now, like a great psychologist, he quotes the great poet Shelley. William mm-hmm. James said, life, life like a dome of many colored glass stains the white radiance of eternity. Life like a dome of many colored glass stains the white radiance of eternity. So look at it like this. You have white light and a prism. The prism does not produce the colours, it splits the colours. Similarly, what our brains, so to speak, do, they act like a prism, like the refractive index. The refractive index is the extent to which the light is bent. That's why a stick looks bent in water. So our, our being, our personality, is like a refractive prism, that stains the white radiance of eternity. And the more we can clarify our minds that through meditation, through prayer, through purity of life, the less obstruction will we present to that light. So we don't generate thoughts. We call them into being, and consciousness uses the brain, but is not generated by the brain.
0: This is interesting, because when you talk about the refractive inner, like when you first started going down that little rabbit hole, which I loved every second of it, and wrote down so many notes, but the first yeah. thing that came to my mind was that our brains are literally antennas for thought, which I love. I freaking love that, because that just for me as a human that releases my need for control it just be a receiver let go receive and i love that but then you talk about the brain to
1: be an active receiver yeah
0: right be an active receiver because
1: because that antenna can pick up a little white noise and junk
0: absolutely and it's just like there's a lot of talk and one of my favorite things to talk about is active listening because when you when you talk and that's what I try to do as best as I can on the podcast is be an active listener instead of mm-hmm. trying to interrupt you with a thought I've tried to listen completely and then come to there and I think the brain is a lot like It's being an active listener and discarding the ones that are white noise but then Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna go down a rabbit hole for you, and then I'm gonna just sit back and smile. And I, because I know you're gonna help me understand something, because I just love how your brain works. Because you are an active thing, you're an active receiver, it's so easy to see. But when you stand on the ground on Mother Earth, you are basically grounded to the center of the earth. The center of the earth, by virtue of rotating around the sun, is grounded to the center of the sun correct Hmm. physically just work with me here and then the center of the sun is actively revolving around the galaxy which is the center of the galaxy so you're now connected to the center of the galaxy which is going around the universe so it's connected to the center of the universe so by virtue of connecting to mother Earth through your feet not with shoes on and all of that you're literally connected to the universe which makes yes, me you think can. about the sun being part of that dynamic thing because I'll add one more layer and then I'm going to let you go. And I'm oh, no. going to be so excited. But Shelley, what was the name of the poet, Shelley, that said Shelley. that our, yeah. right?
1: Percy Best Shelley, yes.
0: Percy Best Shelley said that the, that the brain is like a multicolored layer of, Hiding well, out the white light.
1: Well, we are like a dome of stained glass, or colored right. glass, colored glass. Yeah. Not hiding, Well, staining, coloring.
0: Staining, staining and coloring it, right? But yeah. phys- from a pure physics perspective, the sunlight that comes to us is colorless, yet the reflective light of the ozone layer brings the color to us for those of us who are not colorblind. So it's kind of similar to that, effect so
1: and here you have a beautiful example kelly of as above so below the wonderful hermetic saying what happens in the heavens is mirrored on earth which is why and how the greatest scientists, when they wanted to understand things in the higher realms always looked to what happened on earth the great newton intuited the law of gravity when he saw the fall of the apple and said, well, if objects fall like this on earth, then how about the orbit of the moon in its uh, movement? The sun is absolutely vital. The sun and the stars, let's include stars as well. Stars are suns, of course. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you the difference uh, between the hard science approach and the enlightened approach, if I can put it that way. Perfect. Uh, Steven Weinberg, very famous Nobel scientist. You've all heard of him. In his book, Dreams of a Final Theory, he says, gone are the days when we can celebrate with David the glory of the heavens, because we now know that the stars, meaning the sun, of course, the stars, the sun as well, are nothing but, note the word, nothing but glowing spheres of gas, where the inward collapse of particles due to gravitation that is supported by the heat upthrust, the heat generated by thermonuclear processes in the core of the star. So you've got those two processes in balance. You've got inward collapse supported by upward heat. Now, the whole point is, Kelly, that is true, but that's not all. When Galileo invited Monteverdi to look through his telescope. Monteverdi obviously saw a glowing sphere, but he saw more. He saw divinity in that, and he wrote his beautiful Vespers. Another similar example, the great Haydn, who taught Beethoven, (laughs) revered by Mozart, when Haydn was asked to look through the telescope, uh, of Sir William Herschel, You know, Sir William Herschel, who discovered Uranus, he was also a, a, a very eminent composer. He was a, a composer and wrote wonderful music. So when Haydn looked through Herschel's telescope, he was inspired to write his beautiful oratorio, The Creation. Now, with Every apology to Steven Weinberg, his books will may not be, may not be on our bookshelves for the next 50 years. Monteverdi's Vespers and Haydn's Creation have been with us for centuries and will be with us for centuries because they saw the divinity that expressed through matter. Whereas Weinberg, he actually says in his book, that the stars, and I quote here, the stars show no more but divinity than the stones on the ground around you. Well, hmm. how about that for humility? Hmm. The, the That's stars, the sun, the very sun that gives us life shows no more but divinity than the stones on around you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> you have your thoughts, and I have mine
0: no that's fascinating i love that you know these works and that's you're like a cliff notes version of uh all of this which is really really cool to me and i yeah i see the divinity in space I, it's like my favorite place on the on earth is a beach at night because mm-hmm. there's two things that i love about it one if it's a clear night there's all these stars that took hundreds of thousands of years to just shine that in that moment in time so I could see them. And two, because of the moon, the waves never stop. The waves Mm -hmm. don't care. I drive by the ocean every day on my way to work, and I think Mm -hmm. there are thousands of species that don't even know I exist. They don't even know that there's humans above that on the other side. That's just so for, and I love the humble nature of that because that also, for me being that humble, it's also very divine and it's also very spiritual because it actually mm-hmm. raises my spiritual vibration. It doesn't lower mm-hmm. it. You want to no, think, oh, I'm not. humble. It's a lower vibration. No, that's a very high vibration. It doesn't thing. mean
1: servile. No, nope. it doesn't mean servile. Far from it. Nope. Um, to be humble, is one of the finest attributes and it can go with every confidence and conviction. But uh, arrogance, I'm afraid is the prime disease uh, of a lot of our intellectual community.
0: Sure. But uh, I still, I love, there's a, I love what you have said. And one of the other things I love is like, there's that very viral video on YouTube. That's about uh, basically how water can be affected by emotion. Have you seen that one?
1: No, I haven't seen that one, but
0: But you know, it exists, uh, right?
1: Yeah. There have been similar studies and a long time ago, the, the French scientist, Jacques Benveniste, he um, wrote a paper which purported to show, which it did, uh, the homeopathic principle in, in broad terms. And he was absolutely slaughtered by the establishment. So uh, water... It does. Uh, what's the word you use, Kelly? Convey or be a container for or um, a reservoir for emotion?
0: I don't know if, if we it's have... a reservoir. It is affected by emotion. It affected changes. Emotion. its
1: yeah,
0: sure. The molecules change based on your emotion. Yes,
1: so it if changes, I can look it,
0: at a bottle of water, it's going to change motion it does. right now. Yeah,
1: It's vibratory characteristic changes. And, you know, we've all heard of the holy water, the holy springs. And this isn't a superstitious, you know, it's, this is the wisdom of the ages. There is water that has healing qualities. And I think studies have shown that by praying over water, you affect its structure. Yep. Most certainly.
0: I love that because I, but there's just like a little trickle in my brain. Again, I'm learning to even here, sitting here talking to you, I'm learning to be an antenna rather than a thinker, which is great because the antenna is like, there's so much math involved in the works of Beethoven and Chopin and Bach and, you know, I, People have written books about just the math alone that's inside yes. the, those arrangements. And I'm not yeah. talking Beethoven's this, I'm like some of the Chopin's Bach. and Bach specifically.
1: Yeah.
0: I was just fascinated by that. Have you ever looked into that or is it something that I, I just had to ask you because you're obviously a pianist and you're going to do a recital. Yeah, well, I most just...
1: Certainly the, it is deeply mathematical in the sense that Mathematics is um, the the really expressing a science of proportion and harmony. Mm-hmm. So, um, you find the golden mean, for example, uh, uh, at very definite points in Mozart's sonatas, in Beethoven's uh, symphonies, and in the in in Chopin's works. So the golden mean is very much an aspect of mathematical proportion. And uh, the great feuds of Bach um, can be, in a sense, uh, encoded in a mathematical form that it's almost like starting from a bud. It blossoms into the various flowers.
0: Kind of like the caterpillar. Caterpillar thinks the world's ending and the butterfly knows that it's not. Hmm. You know?
1: Yeah. It's a nice one.
0: I've <laughs> always loved that, 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 yeah. you know, I've, been fascinated by that and i still in that little world of i know that to quote richard buck if you're alive what is it how did he say it in his book and the illusions is such a great book and if you've never read that book you should it just mm-hmm. it, it's playful it's funny but it's very spiritual because basically it follows the a messiah in the 70s they're doing in in the u.s they would do these little plane tours for people they would go to small towns and ride in planes and for 10 Mm -hmm. bucks you could ride in a plane Mm -hmm. you know and this messiah was one of those guys and he says you know here's here's a test to figure out whether you're not your purpose in life is fulfilled if you're alive it isn't and i've always loved that because i had a humans it's like one in four trillion chance of being a human i had one in four chance of being a human
1: Mm.
0: one in four trillion so that's astronomical but i try to marry that with the fact that i'm in this meat suit as i call it Mm. yet learning how to be the antenna like you said trying to like you i'm very curious that's why i got you on here because i'm trying to curious how to manufacture both the kind of Make those two peacefully coexist, that I'm a man, you know, that I have reproductive rights, I have a brain and I have a heart, but I'm also this antenna for Mm. these thoughts. Because now I'm going back to, forgive me, but the Golden Gate Bridge was probably a thought for 100,000 people or the English tunnel. Mm. The Channel Tunnel was a thought probably by a lot of people, like you said, in the 1700s, the 18th century, that they were thinking about it, but they finally got it done. Just like, what was the lady's name that finally swam the English channel that nobody could? I can't. Oh, lot the
1: first people,
0: one? Yeah, what was her name?
1: I think, wasn't it Trudy something? Something
0: like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. But the hundred people had it, and she executed it, which yeah. kind of coincides where that thought, she was the, a lot of people were the antenna. But she had the right vibrational properties within her brain in order for her to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. kind of goes back to what you talked about right at the beginning yeah. of the podcast, and I think that's just fascinating to me.
1: can I pick up on something very significant you said I hadn't heard of that quote, but the 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 caterpillar thinks the world is at the end. the butterfly knows it's only starting or it it hasn't but the what you said is that mainstream science looks fatally only to the change in form so evolution in mainstream science is only concerned with the change of form but in order for form to change there has to be an active principle behind it so Mm -hmm. that active principle It's something that mainstream science has no idea or no interest in. Form cannot change unless something wants to make it change.
0: Hmm. That goes back to, go, keep going, please. You're doing great.
1: What makes it change is the pressure of consciousness or specific aspect of consciousness. Uh, You you take uh, the, the famous uh, uh, case quoted of the giraffe. Now, how come that it has a light head uh, on a long neck because if the head were heavy, the neck muscles would have to uh, be much stronger. How come it has a much stronger heart to pump up to the head? How come that um, it has valving in the throat so when he puts his head down, everything doesn't come tumbling out? Now. If it's just a change of form, what is creating? What's the active principle behind that change of form? And science hates the word teleology, which is goal-directed evolution. Goal-directed evolution. Well, I... Rumi, the great poet... Uh, Didn't he not say that I died as a stone and I was reborn a plant? I died as a plant, I was reborn an animal, I died as an animal, reborn a human. I died as a human, I, I reached my maker. Where was I any less by dying? So one of the real lovely sayings of the ancient wisdom is dying for the sake of life dying for the sake of life, so the outer form is always transient. The outer form, our physical bodies, are always going to die. Why die for the sake of life? As Kail Gibran, the great uh, Lebanese mystic, uh, how beautifully puts it, um, a little while, uh, a little rest, And a new woman will bear me forth. So the woman, the humanity, provides the material form for me, but I am immortal. My mortal vestures, of course, are mortal and will die. But science only looks to the mortal and the transient. And by science, of course, I only mean materialistic science, not sure. great science, of course. And there are many tremendous great scientists whose great thoughts have hardly cut much ice.
0: But science doesn't actually to take for me, take that step further to the metaphysical. Even our metaphysical, even our spirituality, is constantly changing, and science doesn't look at that even, because I no, love it, the.
1: It doesn't like the word spirituality. It doesn't mean anything.
0: Right, which is too bad because that's where the science should be for me. And as you talked about that Heart Institute over, I think it was in Illinois. You said, and uh, no, just
1: no, no, the Illinois was the Templeton uh, Foundation. Uh, oh, conference. that's right. But the Heart Math, uh, Roland Mcraty. Um, yeah. Anyway,
0: you can. No, that's great. No, the I love heart, being corrected.
1: Heart Math Institute. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that, and I've never thought of it that way because it you're just one thing i love about my podcast is that it is it helps me raise that antenna to receive rather than to think and i love that and it's it's always an endorphin rush but i'm learning so much from you and i knew i would because i knew you had these four volumes of the unconsciousness and what led you to that guys, to literally write four different volumes on the unconsciousness which yeah, I think no, it's un- fascinating
1: un- unconsciousness not unconsciousness
0: it's consciousness you're right well yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. interesting
1: well, what led is uh, is a complex one i certainly wasn't asked to i certainly wasn't paid it's the same sort of thing as why does one why is one driven to write a book or compose a piece of music it has to start from love and i mean that i do um, the love of the subject But my other motive was to insert clarity into a lot of scientific and uh, esoteric uh, thinking. So the first volume deals with science fully acknowledging its triumphs, but also pointing out its deficiencies and explaining that the esoteric science, the the perennial philosophy provides that gap, provides the missing, the huge missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle that science cannot address. So given that overview, the first volume is an overview. The second volume is a microscopic, looking into the human being, the human body at all levels. And the third volume is a telescopic vision relating the human body, the human being, to the cosmos. And volume four is references, a glossary, and um, clarifications. So the four volumes are really part of one process. Sure. But my first two books, the well, the second one, The Snake and the Rope, the subtitle was... Um, mirages or problems in physical science resolved by occult science
0: wow just amazing then with your journey you know being an engineer and just like what kind of as a writer myself what kind of process like how did how long did it take that's one first thing I wanted to know (laughs) how long it took to write four
1: it four volumes took twenty years, but I I would say seventy five percent of it was the last seven years, and of mm-hmm. that seventy five percent, about eighty percent was during the pandemic.
0: Understood. You had a little extra free time, but still, I it's a you know. My my spirit. I channel spirit a lot because I'm a akashic tarot reader which really yeah. that honest to goodness coincides with it's not my thought it's an antenna to receive a thought yeah. that's being sent out so and i think the akashic records as they're per- explained to be are the same kind of thought process which in turn um, yeah go ahead i think you're you're on to something
1: yeah um it is very good to see that science i don't know if you can see this uh
0: i can sort of
1: anyway by ervin laszlo one of the most celebrated and well loved scientists science and the akashic field and in this book he defines akasha very accurately as the radiation or brilliance Considered to be the first and most fundamental element, therefore, the womb, the womb of all creation. And therefore, the Akashic Chronicles are the record of everything that has happened and will be. So, science is slowly embracing the idea of Akasha.
0: Which is, I, that's, again, that's ironic for me because I got that, my Akashic Tarot deck as a gift, and it Mm. sat in my home for better part of a year right then i just picked it up and then i started doing some readings for myself and then a couple friends and they're like wow wow like i'm i've i have not untapped the potential but now i've been given this gift by you which really wasn't you because as you know or at least i believe that all the answers we have are already there it's just me raising that yeah. antenna to that answer, correct?
1: Not by me, through me, if you will.
0: Yes, through you. Thank you. Yes, through you, I raised the antenna. And many others.
1: Through me, me and all the others who have inspired me. That is most important.
0: Which is why, like, and is the first time I've talked about this on my podcast, but I'm creating a collective of light workers, mm. And this podcast makes me realize that's what i'm supposed to do mm. like it was a thought given to me through others and mm. but that's that little droplet of water i think it was it rumi that said you're not a a a drop of water in the ocean near the ocean in a mm. near the ocean in a drop of water right mm. something mm. i think it was it rumi that said that or
1: rumi yes nothing. yes, yes.
0: And I've always I've I've translated that for me for my coaching and my readings and everything that I do is that you're not a star in a unit you're not just a star in a universe, you're the universe and a star.
1: Yes, it is both. You are both the center and you're at the circumference, and there is that constant dynamic Hmm. between the
0: two. Explain that further, because I've never looked at it that way. I've always looked at it as i'm this antenna like I, i'm feeling myself getting a download right now but i'm an antenna downloading information but i'm also at the circumference i explained a dichotomy of that well i'd like to hear uh, it
1: you're you're the center mm-hmm. in in the sense that uh, you're at the the point of the circle but then when you explore something you go along a certain radius until you get to the edge of your current thought exploration. And from there, there is a return to the center where you move again in a different direction or in a deeper way. So I'm I'm really, what I'm getting at in a loose sense is a rebound of, uh, of what we put out. There is a rebound to ourselves, and then it goes out again.
0: So it's a rebound. I, rebound I've never thought of it that way, people. but you're right.
1: Yeah. It can be from other people, or it can be from ourselves when we examine what we were thinking about and say, well, that's not quite right, but what I meant to say was this, that, or the other. So that's what I mean by we start from the center and we move to the circumference. The circumference being the limit of that particular process at that time. You know, it's just a metaphorical term, of course.
0: I understand that. I totally agree. Like, I'm thinking about it. Like, it's... You kind of... You become the antenna and you're the center, but then you move around to see whether or not that one thought Has value. And if it does, Mm. that changes your, you go back to your center, but you're now in a different spot. And then you, every thought you receive, that's kind of the process is you go back to the center, then you, if you kind of orbit that thought, and then Mm. you go to the next thought and you orbit. And then is that what you're kind of saying with the rebound?
1: Yes. uh, I'm just saying the rebound is a reflection of one's own thought process. Right, in a sense, what
0: is one's own thought process? So reflection of one's own thought process, what does that mean?
1: Well, if you thought of something, if you visualize something, if you compose the tune, it doesn't just go away from you, you are exploring it, you're expanding it, and then you look at it again, and then you probably make some changes. But mm-hmm. you don't ever alter the the fundamental impulse behind what made you start off in the first place. So, you, if you're composing a piece of music, you might change the key signature or the time signature, but you wouldn't change uh, a military march into a, a nocturne, say. Correct. You, you're always starting off with the same impulse, but you're refining it. You're refining it.
0: That's and it's funny because. I love the the musical thing that because that makes my heart beat a little faster. Or the one more, I I am of this ilk that I have guides and I have my father's been gone for 23 years, but he's here mm-hmm. literally watching this and he's really proud of me right now. And he he's going to say, no, I wasn't. But he was playing violin when he was very, very young. He's a musical, in my opinion, a musical genius. Uh, he was a teacher for 25 years because he raised kids and whatever, but mm-hmm. he understood what you meant by that, by changing. I think I knew the key signature and I knew the the time signature, but you said something else and it, like I just looked over at him and he's like, yeah, he knew what you were talking about, so I was good. He'll explain it to me later. But that's just, that warms my heart, but that also raises that vibration and my connections in my opinion to whatever you anybody wants to call god but it raises my vibration to Mm -hmm. that center again as you talked about so Mm -hmm. i'm going to orbit a little bit for that and then come back to the next thing and that's just a wonderful way to explain how our as you call it a process happens i think that's Mm -hmm. so cool you explain things so well
1: thank you (laughs)
0: You really do, sir. I'm. I'm. Well, language. Genuinely has, love uh, this. Thank you.
1: One has to use allegory, analogy, and metaphor, because in a true sense, you can't explain anything. You can only <laughs> walk around it. As someone put it very nicely, ever closer perambulations round the ineffable. Words are the f you know things are really ineffable they are beyond words but the better you explain something the closer you can walk around what is unexplainable.
0: jeez wow! I miss that. That's I keep writing down timestamps for all these gems that you have given me today. But again. I I believe that I manifested this and I believe that, but one of the other most, the most beautiful things that you said is, I channeled that thought through you, but through all those people that you've interacted with in your life. And, but if you start doing some math permutations on that, that becomes so beautiful to me because, and I'll explain this very eloquently, uh, there was this little town in Italy where this one guy had a thought. Again, he's not the only person to have this thought, but he had this thought that if he played a song from this band that I'm reaching, the Dave Grohl's in, and I can't think of the name of the band, but basically he got a thousand musicians and singers together, and they filmed mm-hmm. this one video of, I can't think of Dave Grohl's band right now. That's just terrible of me. They played this one song and they rehearsed it for a year. And these are Italian. So English is not their first language, but it's a great song. They played this video and he had, this guy had this one thought to get a thousand people, you know, 25 drummers, 25 bass guitarists, 25 guitarists, and a bunch of singers. However, that thousand turned out to be practice for a year and then filmed the video, edited it to get, that band to come to their small town Mm. to play a show for them. And it was a small town on the coast of Italy. So it wasn't like a big giant venue, Mm. but that one person started, had that antenna raised so high beyond the stratosphere, beyond the ozone layer to receive that thought that this is what I want to do. I want to get this band in our little town. And he got, they played this, their song to perfection and when I when you said I received that thought through you and all those people that you interacted with I saw that whole thousand piece orchestra if you will it was a band it wasn't an orchestra no violins or anything but and I don't know but it was a single thought but it was that person being taking that thought and amassing a thousand people to do one thing one thing for three and a half minutes yeah that's what made me think of that
1: Excellent. So it's interesting how one sees connections in one's personal life. That's wonderful to hear, Lily.
0: But it's beautiful because now I, as a human, now I look at people differently. I don't think it's just them that I receive thoughts through, I think of it's them and the people that they've walked through life with. Mm-hmm. To help them become that person in that very moment, because every moment changes, correct? So I just think that's that helps me perceive humans better with a more, I'm very empathetic to begin with, but it makes me more empathetic to receiving thoughts from people, whether even they're bad thoughts. Yeah. I still go, okay, that's not just that person, that's... It's, that's
1: what he's transmitting through someone it's,
0: else it's kind of like one of my latest fascinations is it's a little bit of time travel because you're kind of traveling through time through all those people that they've interacted with for you to receive that thought and as mm. you know if you if you were to go back in time and you interact with somebody, you're changing that's a ripple effect to what happens today mm. so it's kind of that ripple effect to me, and I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense to you or even my listeners.
1: It makes sense in this way, if I can just... um,
0: Please, that's why I have you here.
1: There is a a wonderful saying in one of T.S. Eliot's plays, The Family Reunion, where the lord of the castle realizes my mind has been, my life, my life has been a dream dreamt through my mind by the minds of others And that's when he realizes how little of his actions and behavior was really his own and how much he was picking up from his own family. Right. My life has been a dream dreamt through my mind by the minds of others. And shall I just expand on that story? I'd love
0: to hear you expand on that, please.
1: It is. You know, everyone who wants to have a family should read the family reunion. So very briefly, Lord Montessy arrives uh, home uh, to his baronial castle, and he's talking to his Aunt Agatha about his parents and his own family background. And Aunt Agatha, and I'm cutting through a lot of stuff, Aunt Agatha says, you know, your father wanted to kill your mother, but never had the courage to do so. Then the Lord says, now I know why I pushed my wife off at sea and drowned her. My life has been a dream dreamt through my mind by the minds of others. So the unconscious the unconscious, unwritten skeleton in the cupboard reared its ugly head, and he acted out the urges of his father, which he didn't have the courage to do, I mean, insofar as you need courage to murder someone. So making the point that how little of our thoughts are really original, we are just picking up rubbish on the news what donald trump said sorry what joe biden said let's equalize it
0: <laughs> yeah right
1: yeah well he said what she said and we call them my thoughts they're not your thoughts it's you're just being a, a, a garbage band collecting it and when the lord realized <laughs> that then in the play the humanides appeared and the humanides are the karmic exigencies he saw his karmic exigencies effects before him so the old old um, advice watch your thoughts that sounds a bit schoolmaster-ish but there cannot be a better piece of advice to give to anyone not just watch your thoughts Where are they coming from? Right. Ram Maharshi, the great sage in India, he didn't say stop thought. That's very dangerous. He always said trace thought to its origin. The thought producer is far more important than the thought production.
0: Wow. So many things. You're so wonderful.
1: Well, we'll talk again.
0: Uh yeah, because I'm pretty sure you probably have to go here in a bit. But no,
1: no, not at all. No, I wasn't no, empty. <laughs> no,
0: I'm. I'm just. You no,
1: know, we can have another session on something more specific.
0: Yeah, but that's I. I tend to don't my podcast. I had a a, a beautiful lady on my podcast. It was my seventh episode, and I found it yesterday, and I'm like. She only gave me one line of what she was, and I can't even remember what it was. And it was, I I knew her face. I've seen a couple of tweets. I'm like, I want you on my podcast. She's like, sure. She got on my podcast, and she spoke. You know Eckhart Tolle. You know how Eckhart Tolle speaks. Eckhart Tolle literally channels oh, yeah. channels yeah. thought, yeah. Mm-hmm. and she spoke like that, where long pauses centered Mm -hmm. breathing dude but i just let it flow because and yes i'll probably have you on again just and i may we may date i may want to do just a deep dive on one particular subject but you're just so doggone charming too and i know over the pond it's what about eight o'clock quarter after eight or quarter after seven no
1: idea
0: (laughs) i don't either but for me yeah because Seriously, I I would just do a podcast with you on time travel just to see what your thoughts were on that or anything else. But you're uh, seriously an amazing blessing. Thank you. But now I look at you as the thoughts that I receive through you are through you and the thousands of people that you've interacted with in your glorious life on this planet, which is, that's just such a, for me, that's a beautiful thought it's a beautiful thought to know that like later today, I'm going to a motel for a couple days because they're fixing a roof on my place. Mm -hmm. Uh And I'm going to interact with people. Yeah. I get a motel with a swimming pool in South Texas, which it's really hot. So I'm going to go hang out at the pool and reflect and reminisce about this podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be awesome. And yeah, I do want to have you on here. And Anne is such a, sweet soul wonderful
1: and very sweet soul very very dynamic very helpful and very meticulous yes she is, is a powerful combination
0: it is mm-hmm. and she's you're my first guest that I went through a publicist for and she made it so easy and it's fun and wonderful um uh, can you tell me like I have a hard time reading like mm-hmm. What I call self help books. And I don't consider your book self help, but they're yeah, probably yeah. more science in nature. But are they like how you speak? And how long are they? Like,
1: Sorry, how many pages? I, I, I it's don't, okay. I
0: get your question. Uh, you said how, so. How the, long are your books? How many pages oh, are.
1: Oh, right. I get you. I get you. Oh, gosh. Volume one. Well, I'd say in total over a thousand.
0: <clears throat> thousand pages oh that's all
1: well over a thousand
0: so that's but probably a couple about three hundred thousand words right give or take
1: something like that yeah but yeah let me let me emphasize that each chapter starts with a synopsis and a conclusion and a link to the next chapter and in the overall in the introduction in the front I have an abstract of every chapter. I'm a great believer in showing the flow process. So people see the whole overall geography without getting trapped in a certain particular roadblock.
0: Right. Good.
1: Because I made a synopsis abstract and also side notes to help the reader.
0: Wonderful. And yeah, I'm sure your bibliography is, you know, thousands of pages, but, uh, I love this. I, I love you just thinking, yes, there's a lot of love. I really think you're amazing. And I tell everybody, almost everybody I know that I love them because that's the highest form of gratitude you can, because now that I see this and I see not only just you, but any thoughts that you receive from me or from all these people, like my father, who's here, he's here mm-hmm. with me and all the people who, Like that's, yeah, I could do an entire podcast just on that thought alone, and Mm. how your mind—you can actually time travel without even moving one. Because most people think time travel is your body going to another point in time, but your mind can go to another point in time.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And it, yeah, you would be the perfect person to talk about that. Perfect. I love it. Do you want to listen? You know, wrap this up so you can tell people how to find you. uh And do you want the, you know, if you want them to go through your publicist, go through your publicist. That would be wonderful. Oh, um, however, that works.
1: And Kelly would provide all the details. And it's okay. on, on the media kit.
0: Beautiful. Because I'm going to recommend you to oh. a bunch of my friends.
1: Thank you. And also um, on my website, uh, uh Kelly. Um, yep that's uh, very good and there is a contact form on my website
0: right and it's I leave you with my... just
1: one last thought please I think, if i may that
0: i love it there's,
1: there's science has explored space outer space they want to go to mars they want to go to the galaxies science is supreme in exploring the outer space What science now needs to do is to explore the inner space, the mind. Because if they don't explore the inner space, they blow themselves up with all the scientific technology. So rather than building nuclear bunkers, the best bomb proof shelter is the inner exploration, the exploration of mind. The inner space, So you've gone, Mr. Scientist, into the outer space, fine. Now go into the inner space of the mind. And there you will find everything you are looking for.
0: It's all there. Yeah. It has been throughout all time and space. So they're all there. All the answers you ever want are all there. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful conversation today. I really thoroughly enjoyed this so much you're such a gentleman and you're so kind and
1: Uh, thank you so much kelly it's been a real conversation
0: yeah sometimes like yeah i know it's like we had a cup of tea together and as you guys call it tea and biscuits uh (laughs) and that's what i wanted from you especially you know even with your beautiful backdrop that you know i'm going to send a copy of this to your publicist so she could use it as she sees fit Thank she you. has my she'll have my own you know like my little virtual nda on that so that's great i really appreciate your time thank
1: you Kelly. And yours. Mm.
0: have a beautiful monday night and keep bringing thank all you. this positivity and thoughts to all of and us we you really too. appreciate you the, there's so much divine energy that loves people like you so keep it thank up you,
1: Kelly. and you you continue your like working which is very sorely needed
0: these it days. is very short that's very why i'm building a collective and trust me i'll be telling you and ann about it
1: and it's small great things can start from small beginnings i'm not saying yours is a small beginning but you don't have it's, to start from a mega whatever right wonderful things can start from a small seed that's right. Uh,
0: I have on my whiteboard, the seed is planted. Just watch it grow. And that's what how I yep. feel about my collective.
1: Yeah. Wonderful.
0: All right. it's wonderful to see you and talk to you. And I can't Thank wait you. till we talk again, to be honest with you.
1: Yep. And all the best to you and your team. And Thank everyone you. Helping you.
0: Yep. I've got it. I do have a team, actually. So I appreciate you so much, Eddie. And Thank we you. will talk soon.
1: Definitely.